You know, if we're not careful when we hear that statement, God is love, we think that we already know and understand everything about the love of God. But if you're here this morning and you think that you understand the love of God, you don't have a clue. And the reason why we don't have a clue is because we could never understand God's love. Never comprehend God's love. You say, but pastor, I've experienced God's love. So I I think I know a little bit about God's love. Well, it doesn't matter if you've experienced God's love or not. There's still infinitely more about God's love for all of us to experience. When it comes to experiencing the love of God, we're like an ant at the foot of Mount Everest. We just don't have a clue when it comes to grasping and comprehending and understanding the scope of God's love. John tells us in this passage of Scripture that God is love. Notice he doesn't tell us that God loves. Of course, we know that God does. I think it was DC Talk years ago that had a song that said love is a verb. But that's not what John tells us. We know that love is a verb. We know that it is action-oriented. But in 1 John 4, 7 and 8, we are told that love is a noun. That God is love. He doesn't just love us. He is love. And that is so significant this morning. Because what that tells me is God could never stop loving me. God can never stop loving you. Because the moment that he stops loving us is the moment that he ceases to be God. Because he is love. His very essence is love. God is love. Now, a lot of people have a real difficult time receiving that. Receiving the fact that God is love and that God loves them. And I think the reason why is because our world has polluted this world. or Our world has polluted this word called love. And so many people have... A misconception of what love is because of what they associate love with. There's a lot of people here today perhaps that associate love with detachment. Because you had a father or you had a mother who told you that they loved you but they were never around. A mother or a father who told you that they loved you but then they abandoned you. And so you associate love with detachment. That's just what normal love is for you. You associate it with attachment. Some of you here this morning, perhaps you associate love with abuse. Because maybe somebody, the whole time they were loving you, were abusing you and hurting you and violating you. And so you just associate love with abuse. And and, and then there are many here today, perhaps, who associate love with performance. You know, because sometimes it just seems like people love us and accept us more if we're performing well their love is conditional towards us so as long as we're making good grades as long as we're performing well on the football field or the basketball field or the basketball court or the the baseball field as long as we're winning the awards then we sense that people love us and so 
Some people, when they hear this about the love of God and how that God loves them, they have a hard time receiving that because they associate love with detachment and abandonment. They associate love with abuse. They associate love with performance. Love is conditional. But another reason why we have a tough time sometimes receiving the fact that God is love and that he loves us is because the word love in our English language has become so ambiguous. I mean, we, we only have one word for love in the English language that we use when we want to express love. That's why we can be standing around somebody and they can be talking about a pepperoni pizza and how good that pepperoni pizza was. And, and we speak up and we say, oh, I love pepperoni pizza. And that's why somebody can drive up in a car that we like and we say to them, man, I love that car. Or we visit somebody's home and, and, and we tell them, oh, I love this house. And of course, we all know that everybody here loves college football. You know, Roll Tide, War Eagle, everybody loves college football. But then we use that same word to say, I love my spouse, my wife. I love my children, even the same word to say, I love God. But do we really, do we really love pepperoni pizza the same way we love our spouse? Do we really love somebody's car the way we love our children? Do we really love somebody's home the way that we love God? You see, that word has become so ambiguous. And this is where the Greek language can help us this morning. Because whereas we only have one love in the English, or one word in the English language to express love, in, in the Greek culture, they actually had four different words to express different dimensions of love. One of those Greek words is the word storge. And it just simply means a natural affection. It's a familial love. A love that is the, the natural love between a parent and a child. Or, or, or maybe some of you can identify with this better. It's that natural love that a grandparent has for their grandchildren. Oh, don't we love our grandchildren. And we don't have to be told to love them, do we? It's not something that we have to work up. It's just something natural that comes that we love our family, we love our children, we love our grandchildren. Now, you won't find the Greek word storge in the New Testament, but you will find the negative part of storge, storge, And you'll find that in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 4, I believe it is, where the Apostle Paul says that in the last days, perilous times are going to come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. And then he says this, without natural affection. And he was saying that in that time just before Christ returns, there would be a breakdown in the family. There would be a breakdown in affection and love being shared among family members. So one of those Greek words is storge, a familial love, natural affection. Another of the Greek words for love is philia. And it's just an affection that is shared between friends. It's a friendship love. 
That, that's why I can walk up to one of my brothers here at Summerton Church of God and look at him and say, I love you, brother, and nobody read into that because it's just friendship. It's an affection that we share. And it's really a friendship based upon things that we have in common, common interests. We connect. We like the same things. We like to hang out. Philia. It's where we get the word Philadelphia, the city Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. And so there's the Greek word storge, there's the Greek word philia, and then there's also the Greek word eros. And the Greek word eros means sexual love or sexual desire. It's a love really that is reserved for married couples. It's a, it's a love that is reserved to be shared between a husband and a wife. We have to be really careful because a phrase that we hear a lot in our culture is this phrase, making love. Making love. Listen, sex is not making love. Sex is expressing love that you already have for your mate. The, it's expressing love that you already have for your spouse. That's why you have to be careful. Because a lot of people, when they say, a lot of young people, when they say, I think I'm in love, I'm falling in love, really what it is, is it's more of that physical attraction in the beginning that makes us think we're in love because of that attraction that we have. And so there's also this word eros. But then there is another word for love used in the Greek culture. You will find this word in the Bible, in the New Testament. It's the word we all know mostly, and that's the word agape. This is the God kind of love. And the word agape simply means other-oriented, sacrificial or self-sacrificial, choice-based love. A good example of this would be where Jesus said, this is how we know what love is. Christ laid down his life for us. It was other-oriented. He laid down his life for us. It was self-sacrificial. He gave himself. And it was choice-based love. Now, hear me. Agape love is the only of the four loves. It's the only love that is not emotionally driven. It's the only love that is not feeling driven. It is choice based. I don't love you because I feel like loving you. I'm not waiting until I'm overcome with feelings to love you. I decide to love you. I choose to love you. Now, when we go back and look at these three words in the Greek, storge, when John said that God is love, he was not saying God is storge. In other words, you may be here this morning and you may not yet be a son or a daughter. You may not yet be a part of the family of God. But even though there's not storge love, God still agape loves you. When it comes to filial love, filial love, you, you may not yet be a friend of God. You, you may be an enemy of God. You may be at war with God this morning. But God still agape loves you. 
when it comes to eros love you may not have a a a passionate intimate relationship with god the father just yet but god does still agape love you yes god wants to storge love every one of us he wants every one of us to be a part of his great big family god wants to fillet a love with us god wants to be our friend and us be his friend god wants to have eros love with us he wants a close passionate intimate relationship with us but regardless you need to know this morning god agape loves you god has decided god has chosen to love you regardless no if ands or buts about it none whatsoever and so the apostle paul tells us this in ephesians chapter 3 he says i pray that you being rooted and established in love. I'll talk about that here in just a minute. He said, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp. And that word grasp means more than to just apprehend. It also means to comprehend. Power that you would together with all the Lord's holy people, grasp, look at this, how wide and how long and how high and how deep and how wide the love of Christ is. Now notice what Paul says here. He says that you and I, we need to understand right off the bat that in our own natural minds, we can never grasp this. In our own natural minds, we can never apprehend, we could never comprehend the dimensions of God's love. So here's what Paul said. Paul said, I'm praying that God will give you power. Because you see, we have to have supernatural power. We have to have supernatural anointing if we're going to come anywhere close to grasping, apprehending, comprehending the dimensions of God's love. And he said, here's what I want you to grasp. How wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of God? And scholars have debated for years what it was that Paul was talking about here. And I can't tell you that I know everything that Paul is talking about here when he talks about these dimensions of God's love. But here's what I know. No matter how wide you go, his love is wider. And no matter how long you go, his love is longer. And no matter how high you may travel, his his love is higher. And no matter how deep you may fall, his love is deeper matter of fact it just hit me recently that when you think about the dimensions of God's love I think about John chapter 3 verse 16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life how wide is God's love for God so loved 
the world. Amen. That's how wide God's love is. His love is all-inclusive. He said, anyone who comes, whosoever will, let them come unto me. He loves the whole world. God didn't just love a certain nationality or a certain skin color. And get this, God didn't even just love a certain denomination. Somebody help me preach this morning. Amen. God loves the whole world. And Paul tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, that he wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of Christ Jesus. How wide is God's love? For God so loved the world. How long is God's love? He gave his only begotten son. I'm telling you, God paid the ultimate price to show and to demonstrate just how much he loves us. But not only is it the limit that God will go or the length that God will go to show us just how much he loves us, but the Bible says this in Psalm 136. It says that your unfailing love endures. Your steadfast love endures forever. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we all ought to be thankful for this, it says God's love suffers long. Amen. It suffers long. God's love is patient. That tells me today that God doesn't give up on us. God hasn't thrown in the towel on anybody here in this room today. God suffers long. God is patient and God is waiting for you to receive his love this morning. Amen. How deep, how wide. Notice the, the, the third thing he tells us here is how deep God's love is because he says that whoever believes in him whoever I'm so thankful for that because I was one of those whoever's I was one of those whosoever's that's why a prostitute like Mary Magdalene could come to Jesus in belief and receive him as her personal savior that's why a tax collector like Zacchaeus felt comfortable coming to Jesus oh glory that's why the demoniac of Gadara felt comfortable running to Jesus in his time of need when he needed to be delivered from from his bondage the bondage in his life whoever believes in him and then we see the height of God's love how high his love is that we would not perish but have ever lasting life God wants the best for you and God wants the best for me God does not want us to perish God wants us to receive the gift of everlasting eternal life but Paul said this Paul said I pray that you would have the power to be able to grasp this that you would be able to apprehend, comprehend just how much God's love, how, how, how much God loves you, how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. But notice he said, not only do I pray that you would have power to grasp it, to comprehend it, to apprehend it, but he said, I also want you to be rooted and established in that love rooted when we think of roots we think about a plant we think about a tree whose roots go down into the soil and the roots go down deep enough and they receive nourishment and strength and stability from their roots 
And that's what Paul is saying to us this morning. He's saying, I want your roots to grow down deep in the fact that God loves you this way. That you receive your nourishment from that. That you receive your strength from that. That it gives you stability in life. But not only that, he said, I want you to be rooted and established in that love. That means he wants us to gain our identity. Our identity from this fact that God loves us. And that his love for us is so wide and so long and so high and so deep that we could never escape the love of God. You've heard me say it before, but the love of God is perfect. It's perfect. If God had to make improvements in his love, then his love would not be perfect. His love is perfect. That means that no matter what you've done and no matter what you will do, God is never going to love you less than he loves you right now. And God is never going to love you more than he loves you right now because it's not conditional love. It's not performance-based love. He says, I just love you for who you are. Amen. Thank God for his love this morning. Thank God for his love this morning. Where would we be without the love of God? Where would we be? Where would we be without the love of God? Shortly after Jamie and I went to Atlanta to pastor about 18 years ago, when we went in, we were praying, we were saying, God, help us to reach the last, the lost, and the least. Give us a heart for people that nobody else wants. Because we'll take them. We prayed that prayer. Our church called on. Our church began to pray that prayer. A couple of years into our pastorate there, I noticed that a couple of men started coming to church together. They began to get consistent. And I assumed that they were in a relationship. I didn't know for sure, but I assumed that they were in a relationship. But they kept coming Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And I would get up and preach, and one of them in particular, every time I would get up to preach, I mean, he would just weep. And he wouldn't mind me sharing his name. His name was Mario. I'll never forget Mario as long as I live. But one Sunday after I preached a sermon similar to this about the love of God, because he felt so unworthy, so undeserving of God's love, he had fallen into a lifestyle of homosexuality, And one Sunday after I preached a sermon like this, and he had always been rejected. Nobody wanted anything to do with him. His family had abandoned him because of his lifestyle choice. And all he had was a few friends that were a part of the community that he was a part of. But one Sunday after I preached a message about the love of God, Mario got up weeping uncontrollably. He came to the front of the building, and I took him by the hands. And I've never seen a man cry like this man cried. His tears literally covered my hands as I was holding his hands. And he was praying. He began to talk to me about how unworthy, how undeserving he felt of the love of God because of the lifestyle that he had chosen to live and because of some other choices that he had made. But that day, he had an experience with the love of God that forever changed his life forever changed his life 
Mario would become a faithful member of our church. He would discontinue any activity in the lifestyle that he had chosen. He had made a decision he was going to focus on God and his relationship with God. And he became consistent. He became a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. But a year or so after he had accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as his personal Savior, he became ill and he went to the doctor and he discovered that he had contracted the AIDS virus. And his body began to get weaker and weaker and weaker. He ended up in the hospital. And I was there visiting one day and it was so sad it broke my heart. He said, Pastor, I don't have anybody. My family's forsaken me. My friends that I used to hang out with, they've forsaken me because I've left that lifestyle behind. He said, really, all I have are the people at the church. They're my family. And he said, but Pastor, would it be okay if something happened to me? Would it be okay if I gave the hospital your number in case of emergency because I don't have anybody else to call? And so anytime that Mario was near death, they would call me and they would say, this is the number that we were given. Mario's not doing well. He may not make it through the night. And we just needed to call you. And we would go and we would be at his side. And the people from Pleasantdale or the people from Life Church that Pleasantdale later became known as his Life Church International, our people would go and they would sit with him and they would play worship music with him. And our people were surrounding Mario that night that he left this world for another world. But there's no doubt in my mind today where Mario is spending eternity. He is spending eternity in the presence of the Father. But listen, that never would have happened. It never, it never would have happened if he could not have gotten to a place in his life to where he could have received God's love. You see, the problem is not that God loves us. God loves us. The, the issue is there's so many people who just feel so undeserving and so unworthy to receive that kind of love. They think it's too good to be true. And listen to me this morning. It is. It is too good to be true. And when you realize that it's too good to be true, that's when you begin to get a clue about how powerful God's love really is. How great God's love really is. Paul would go on to say this, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither anything about our fears about today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers that be can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below indeed. Nothing in all creation will ever, hear me, will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus. God will never stop loving you. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what kind of a life you've lived. God will never stop loving you hallelujah hallelujah I love I love all the wonderful new songs that we have about the love of God but you know there's just sometimes when songs are written I just don't think you would ever you'll ever be able to outdo some songs and when it comes to the love of God I don't think that Anybody will ever be able to write a song greater than that hymn that we used to sing, the love of God. The writer, when he wrote this song, here's what he says. He said, the love of God is greater far 
than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son to win. His erring child he reconciled and pardoned from his sin. The third verse of this song, if you've ever seen it in your hymnal or in any other kind of a songbook, there's a little asterisk beside the third verse. Because the writer of the song lets us know that he did not write the third verse of this song, but that the third verse of this song was found written on the wall inside an insane asylum shortly after the patient was carried to their grave. And on the wall of that insane asylum, that patient wrote these words, Could we with ink the ocean fill? And were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill? And every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. You know, there's no way with our natural mind that we could ever comprehend the dimensions of God's love. That's why the Apostle Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus, that God would give them supernatural power and supernatural anointing so that they could grasp the dimensions of God's love. You know, Romans 5, 8 says, But God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loves us unconditionally. Yes, He does. And today we want you to know that we're praying that God would give you the power so that you could grasp, apprehend, and comprehend the dimensions of God's love. And we want you to know that you are always welcome here at Summerton Church of God where God is doing an amazing new thing.